Servant Leadership Institute podcast. Today we are bringing you a full keynote presentation by Kelly Cardenas. During the 2019 Servant Leader Conference, Kelly walked our audience through his six indicators for business and life. So be ready to take notes and be thoroughly entertained. Kelly Cardenas is an industry icon, author, international educator for Paul Mitchell Systems, business coach, salon owner, husband, and father. He attributes the success of his five namesake salons located in Las Vegas, Chicago, Carlsbad, Salt Lake City, and the Hard Rock Casino in Las Vegas to the team that he has constructed around him. Cardenas' concept of integrity-based success has conditioned his team of trend-setting stylists to reach exponential heights. We hope you enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome rock star Mr. Kelly Cardenas. Yeah, this album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Yes, give yourselves a round of applause real quick. Yes. We tried to we tried to get it get it moving. It's good now. Uh, I think that I'm the first person at Servant Leadership to come out to Biggie Smalls. Um, so you can give me a round of applause for that one. Yes? <laughs> so, you're good. We won't, I'd love to play it the whole time. I was loving it because when you said rap, somebody said rap earlier. Uh, my, my friend right here, is it Christine? Yes? Christina, sorry. Christina, she was like, I'm not a rapper, but she held it here. And then it was amazing because once you said that, on the other side, she was like, well, I want to put it up too. And I think it was Veronica, you said something about the, with the microphone too. And you were like, oh, I want to rap. And what I want you guys to understand is that all it takes is one person to do it to catch fire, right? And that's the thing that I want to talk to you guys about today a little bit. I'm going to do a couple exercises, and I want you guys, I'm going to see how quickly we can uh, work with these things. So what I'd like you to do is if there is an empty chair in front of you, please stand up and move into the empty chair until there's no empty chairs in front of you. Are we good? Yes. Perfect. The reason why I told you that, the first thing that I want you to write down, I want you all to write down things today because it makes me feel better about myself and I can go home and have a great marriage when I'm done. Because in the event that my wife does not listen to me, then I will simply say there was 250 people that did, maybe I'll hang out with them. (laughs) The first thing that I want you to write down is success is not a good negotiator. Success is not a good negotiator. And then the next thing I want to write down is Kelly Cardenas is a good negotiator because I'm willing to stand in it until I get exactly what I want. What I wanted is everyone towards the front. It's going to give me more energy. It's going to mean that I give you more. And when I give you more, maybe you'll give me a better review. And when I get a better review, guess what? I might be here next year. That means I'll have a job. My kids will be able to go to school, have a great life. And then they'll love their dad even more, not because I gave them things, but because I could give them a different life than I had. And if you want that, then you will sit in the chair that was empty in front of you. (laughs) You see, success is not a good negotiator. I am. Because I'm willing to stand in. The first thing I want you to write down, uh, stand up. Second thing I want you to write uh, down is dig in. And the third thing I want you to write down is see it through. 
You see, as leaders, as servant leaders, you're going to be posed with this situation. Those three, if you took anything away from me today, all you need is those three and your company will be successful. That they, When you stand up, and you, uh, like you guys saw it earlier, do we have a person that's a, a volunteer? Someone stands up. You were freaking out. How many of you guys did that and your heart started to beat a little bit more? Thinking, well, what if I stutter over my words? What if this happens? What if that happens? I, I'm a public speaker and I still did it. I was like, wow, I got the microphone. I'm still a little bit nervous. But what will happen is, is when you stand up, then you're going to be noticed. People are going to take note, and they're going to take note of what you say. When you say something and you're sitting down, nothing will happen. But the first thing you're going to have to do is stand up as a leader when you go back to your company. You're going to have to stand up, but you're going to have to dig in at equally as deep as you want to rise. So your foundation will have to be as deep in the ground as you want it to be able to be built too. So if I want a 50-foot uh, building, I've got to dig down 50 feet to make sure the foundation could support the, uh, the structure above. The second thing I'll do is I'll dig in because I know that I'm going to get pushback. I got pushback. All of you guys are leaders. You're servant leaders, right? You listen to Ken Blanchard. You listen to Art. You listen to Olivia. Hell, you just listen to Jeff. Jeff was after it, wasn't he? He called the food chow, didn't he? And all of us were like, yes, because Jeff was in it. Like, I, I was, yes, I was sitting, I even sat standing straight when Jeff was talking. Yes, Mr. Foley, yes, I'm in. But we're all servant leaders, been through two days, and I asked you to give you, give you a simple command, and when I did, then it took a while to be able to get there. you got to understand that it's going to take ten times as long when you go back to your company. Because success is not a good negotiator. The instant that you start uh, negotiating with success, Success will say, I'll just move on. I'm just going to find someone who will, uh, will be with me. At the first sign of resistance, success will leave. At the first sign of resistance, leadership will leave. If you haven't stood up, you haven't dug in, and you don't see it through. The reason why I say see it through, uh, give me uh, anybody been in their industry. Jeff, how long, you, how long were you in the military? How long were you in the military? 32, 32 years. Amazing. So think about this. Uh, give me another uh, in your industry. Who else has got? Can anyone beat 32? Yeah. How many? 36. Awesome. Anybody? Anybody else? 37. Can we beat 37? 37. We got 37. We got 39. Have you worked with the same company for 39 years? Same company. Can you give her a round of applause? Can someone beat 39? Can someone beat 39? Or no? We're good. Yeah? How about a five-year? Give me a five-year. Give me a five-year. Anybody in their business for five years? Anyone with their company for two years? Perfect. Awesome. What I want you to write down now is I want you to write my industry age as opposed to my actual age. You see, Jeff is a, a master at what he does. Jeff is 32 years old in his industry. His natural age doesn't matter in his industry. Only his industry age does. So if you've been with your company for two years, then that means you're two years old. And you know what a two-year-old does? Screams, whines, poops their pants sometimes, and waits for someone to come and clean it up. Sometimes we get a little bit of ego inside of us and say, well, I've been with my company for 10 years. Well, then you're 10 years old. And the last time I checked, if 10 years old, you're in fifth grade or fourth, depending on if you want to hold them back, like I did with my son, because I want him to be good in sports. Don't judge me. He's really good, too. He smashes those kids. But we did it by design. But now my son, or my daughter right now is 10 years old. She's in fourth grade. Would I trust my life savings with my daughter at 10? 
No. Do I trust her with my son for a couple hours so me and my wife could go on a, a day date? Yeah, don't judge me on that one either. <laughs> but what I want you to understand is that industry age and your normal age is so very, very important to this equation because most of the time people walk in saying, well, I got 15 years experience. Okay, you're 15 years old. You can't even drive. But now you're going to power over me and you're going to tell me that I have to do these things when you're 15 years old. How many of you made a bad decision at 15 years old? Raise your hand. How many of you made a bad decision as far as a relationship? Raise your hand at 15 years old. How many of you are still living with that relationship right now? Raise your hand. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes. Oh. Yeah, he married her. That was a good decision then. Okay, it was a good decision. She made a good decision too because you're, you're a very handsome guy. You're, the, you're a very good looking guy. Now, most of you are like, wow, he's really a hairdresser then. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. That's a joke. You're allowed to laugh at it. It's inclusion. Am I correct? Yes. Anybody make a really, really bad decision at 15 years old with their relationship? Anybody? Ladies, you are lying. <laughs> Ladies, you know, my wife is in the, she made bad decisions. I saw them. Dude with a jet, like lowered car, booming system, all that stuff. She's glad she got me. <laughs> I met her last man. And people were like, he walked into the salon one time after uh, we had got together. And he didn't know we were together. I was a friend of his. I knew him, whatever. He walks in and Everyone was like, oh my gosh, Kelly, are you jealous? And I was like, not at all. <laughs> I said, I will invite him over to dinner tonight. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because that's going to drive home the fact that she made a good decision. <laughs> but let's look at it. At 15 years old, most likely you made some silly decisions. Hell, when most of you were 17, 18 years old, you made bad decisions. So when we start to look at an industry age and we start to look at an actual age, that's where we really need to start to compute. And then if you want to take it even further, then it's how much time you've actually had with the company you're with right now. Because some people try and transfer, like I've been in the industry for 15 years. Well, how many different jobs have you had? I've had five different ones. Okay, well, you're three years old each time. The reason why I say this is because a culture is not built in a day. It's not. Like servant leadership is not built in a day. I want to share something with you because I brought this right here, which is some stuff that I did when I was 10. But I'll tell you how servant leadership started. In 1984, my dad got involved with a, a millionaire course. It was the first, uh, what they call now, a MLM. But it's actually, a, it was called a pyramid scheme back in the day. And it was a millionaire course. And you know how, what they did? They sold you a course for $4,500, which my dad didn't have. He was in the military. He was a tech sergeant. And in 1984, he wasn't making that amount of money, $4,500, and they said, I want you to buy this course. It's videotapes, it's tapes, and all these things. And then what you do is you get the course, and it teaches you how to sell the course to other people. <laughs> Genius. But inside of it, it gave you principles on how to be a servant leader. When I was in fourth grade, my dad did something that was revolutionary. Peter, I love you. What you said yesterday when you said training without accountability is entertainment. I want to give you a high five on that because I'm going to hold you accountable so you don't just think I'm an entertainer. I want to be an entertainer, though. But what I want you guys to understand is in 1984, servant leadership started. I'm going to pass this around. The reason why is because my dad was a revolutionary. My dad took our house. Uh, our house. My, my brother had adjoining walls. And with those adjoining walls, he took an auto-reverse Walkman. Anybody remember that one? Yes, you're showing your age. Love it. Right? Auto-reverse Walkman. He took the Walkman, he broke the headphones. He broke them and ran one through the wall and then set one inside my pillow and one inside my brother's pillow. He was a military guy, kind of like Jeff, and he said, if you take them out, I will whoop your bleep. <laughs> so for at least eight hours a day, 
seven days a week, I listened to tapes of motivational speaking. I listened to tapes on servant leadership. I learned how to become a millionaire, how to use other people's money, how to be able to get with uh, your banker, have a great relationship, and things like that. And for two years, solid, seven days a week, eight hours a day, that's 56 hours a week, over 2,600 hours a year for two years, meaning almost 6,000 hours of listening to this stuff by the time I was in sixth grade. Now, I was mad. I wasn't happy about it. All my friends came over, and they thought I was the weird guy with the microphone in his pillow. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to be that guy? You don't want to be that guy. I would be like, no, you can't sleep on my bed. Why? All my friends had to sleep on the floor, because if not, they were sleep teaching, is what my dad called it. And then on top of that, every day when we got home from school, before we could go out and play, we had to take 10 pages of notes on that course. So you add another hour in. But I want to show you what creativity is. I had to take 10 pages of notes, and all I did was write really big. <laughs> and every other line. My brother was so mad because my brother is so smart. He's a lawyer. He went to school, so I figured he got enough school for both of us. My other brother's a doctor, so hell, my children don't even have to go to school. But I'm going to pass this around, and what I want you guys to look at is I want you to look at the date. I got 1986. Actually, this was the, in the second year of it. So this was 1986. This was 5-5-1986. Uh, you need to get to the bottom of everything. You put your whole body in it, and it will work. Start over and make uh, some money now. This, I'll pass this around, too. It's hilarious. My wife was like, I didn't know why you were crazy until she read this. <laughs> You need to just do it. What is holding you back from what you want? Don't let other people get mad because you uh, because when uh, you want what they do, or let's see, let's, I was crazy in this one. Get you mad because when they do, uh, they take control. Don't let other people get mad because when get you mad because when they do, they take control. So what I want you guys to understand is it's not going to be built in a day, guys. I could give you this. I'm going to give you 45 minutes. It didn't start on this either, by the way. I want to let you know. So it's just an infinity time for me, which is awesome. Thank you. I appreciate this. But what I do want to tell you is this is not going to be a day. It's not going to be a day. You're going to get home, and you're going to have more opportunities to quit on servant leadership than you will to succeed. But it's going to take iron sharpening iron. It's going to take you connecting with every single person at your table or the new person that you're at your table with, getting their email and asking them. Just like Peter said, you got to hold them accountable. i got to call you next week and say, you know, what challenges are you going through? Because my presentation today, what I'm going to talk to you about is not about all the great stuff. I'm going to talk about the down and dirty stuff because we started our company on servant leadership. And I've been blasted. I've had more walkouts than most salons can ever have. I've lost every walkout that I've had has cost me at least a half a million dollars at a time. And I've had over five of them. But what I want you to understand is that doing the right thing will always work out. It'll always work out. JP said this, write this down. JP is a friend of mine. He's a uh, co-founder of Paul Mitchell. I'm going to pass this around. Who would like to, you guys, can you look at this, please? It'll just make me feel better about myself. Um, my handwriting is exactly the same to this day. My wife can attest to it. JP said, he's the owner of uh, Paul Mitchell, co-founder of Paul Mitchell and uh, owner of Patron. Just sold Patron for $5.4 billion. Billion. One dude, I wanted to ask him, did you lose your mind? Like, did you lose your mind? Because, I mean, when you get into that, like, when you get into the millions, you know, you start getting refined. 
When you get to the billions, I mean, you are ref- like you're in. But I'm saying, did you lose your mind like you were a you know, 10-year-old? Did you crack a 40 and celebrate with your friends? You know what I mean? I wanted to know if he was like, you know, I'm rich, bitch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to see if he really would do it. But what he said was, he said that everything turns out, write this down. I'm going to watch you. Okay. Everything turns out good in the end. And if it's not good, it's not the end. You see, most of us want to go home and we're on fire. We want to build cultures, but we're going to break down culture because it's a great buzzword, but I want to break it down for you. Um, Let me get this one. Uh, Do I point it? Oh, there we go. Cool. Um, so this word is a buzzword everyone talks about. Like, I need to have a culture. I need to have a culture in my business. The, the challenge is my business is lacking culture. I don't believe that any business is lacking culture. I actually coached one, uh, one salon that I was working with, and they said, we're lacking culture. That's the reason why we're having challenges. And I said, no, your culture is actually showing up late, dressing however you want, talking back to leadership, leaving your stations dirty, and no one caring about your environment. And based off your culture, everyone's got 100%. So don't think that your environment lacks culture. It has a culture. But you have the opportunity to choose it or not. And whatever you choose, gets, you get to, like, when I told you to move up. I asked you to move up because I wanted the energy. Because I know as a speaker, if I got full seats in the front, am I correct on this, Jeff? Am I correct on this, Olivia? When they're up front, it's so much easier. Because I got you. You can't leave. If you leave, I could say something. <laughs> if you sat in the back of the room, I used to do this all the time. Just in case the dude sucks, I could leave. You're in. Veronica, you're in. Like, if you get up, I'm going to say something. I'll be like, damn, like, what did I do? But what I want you to understand is if you want to have a great audience in life, you've got to be a great audience. Write that down. That was a good one. I didn't even realize I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want uh, you guys, you guys uh, a way to be the greatest audience of all time? It's like this. Okay, all of you sit in your chair, and I want you guys to sit. Uh, uh, put your legs out, a uh, little spread, not all the way out, but just in here, right? What I want you to do is turn your chairs towards me because the back of the chair will support you. So I was doing this, and it kind of hurt my back. I had my chair turned to the side, and my back was hurting a little bit. So turn yours right right there. Got it? Got it? Uh, what's, what's your uh, friend's name right here? What's your name? Tim. Tim, turn your chair a little bit. You'll just be more comfortable. Cool. Um, so if you take your legs this way, what I want you to do is I want you to choose one leg. I always choose my left because my heart is with my left. So what I do is I put my weight onto my left, and I kind of lean in. So you could choose whichever one you want to go. So that's the first thing that you're going to do. The second thing that you're going to do is you're going to make eye contact. Third thing that you're going to do is you're going to shake your head at about one second per shake. Tori? Okay, so Tori, try this with me. One, just like this. That's that's about one. It's about one second. Because if you do this one, you ever talk to someone who's doing this the whole time? (laughs) Right? They're playing double dutch with you. I'm ready to jump in. (laughs) You know what I mean? Have you had that person? They're like, yeah, 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 okay, what I got? Like, uh, Jeff was talking about it. He said that sometimes people are listening to show you how smart they are, not listening to actually hear you. So if you shake at one second per shake, people think that you're listening to them. 
Third thing that I want you to do, all of you do it with me, legs here, lean into one side. I would prefer my heart. Don't, you don't have to choose your heart. You could go this way if you want to. You could go to the beat of your own drum. It's inclusion. That's what we learned from Vicky. Everybody's welcome here, okay? I like this one. Sometimes I'll lay my elbow if I really want to get into it, Tori. If we're talking, I really want to get into it. And then I'll just start to nod about a half. And then what I want you to do is tilt your head slightly towards your heart. Body language tells you that if you tilt your head slightly towards your heart, that person will engage with you more because they think that you're actually catching what, what they're saying. If you tilt your head to your left, which is towards your heart, then people will see that you actually... <laughs> was it John? Jim. Okay, so Jim was like... <laughs> Jim was really in. He was like, I'm just going to walk like this. Now that would be kind of lurchish, right? So... That's going to be the last one, or there's two more. So we got this one. So do it with me, Tori. You got it. You leaned in. And then we're just, we're just shaking. We're just shaking every now and again. And then I want you to, if you want to go to that next level of listening, then you just, every now and again, you just say, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if you want to take it to that ultimate level of listening where you draw out everything in the speaker, everything in the presenter, you'll do this one. You'll lean in every now and again. Not, not on key. Like, not everyone together. Try this. So shake your head. One. And then just give me, just whenever you want, just uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> this is the last one. I want you to look up towards whichever corner of the room that you want to, whether it could be the back or straight up, and I just want you to just, almost like you're catching a fly in your mouth. And then come back to it, and then just go back to your shaking. So let's do it. Here we go. We're going to lean in. We're going to go one second per shake. Everybody, give me a mm-hmm. And then look up. And go back to it. Then you'll be a great audience. When you go, you're a great audience, then everybody's going to want to draw from you. I can tell you this, speaking around the world, there's times where people will be sitting and they'll just be sitting back like this and be like, yo, what you got for me? <laughs> I try and throw things at them. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I tell you, if you're a great audience, then you'll have great audiences in your life. And if you want your people to be receptive to what it is that you want, then when you talk to them, you'll lean your head to the left Mm-hmm. And then when they say something, you'll be ah, oh. and then come back to it. And it's as simple as that. We'll go on to this first one in, uh, in culture is I want you to understand, uh, like we, we talk about this, the reason why, and I think we get too complicated on this, way too complicated. That's what I want you to write down. Everyone gets too complicated on this, and this is probably stops every single person that I've ever, if you're at a party and you're like, what's your reason why? That would end the party. You know what I'm talking about? You're at the bar, like, yo, hey, we're having a good time. Listen to Biggie, Kelly showed us it. You guys didn't get that one. Oh. How many of you guys listen to Notorious at all? Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I listened to Dr. Dre on the way in to get myself ready for the Servant Leadership Conference. And then I followed it up with Hillsong United. I like juxtapose. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys don't think that's funny either, but I do. I'm going to be able to go home and say it. But people get really complicated on this reason why. They get caught up. They get too caught up. Well, what's my reason why? Well, I'm, I don't know, the theory of relativity. Maybe it's because the planets aligned and all these things. What I want you to understand, my reason why, is because I wanted to have enough money to go to the carnival and be able to play the games until I won. That's it. Because when I was growing up, we didn't have much money. And my mom would give me $3. And when you go to the fair with $3, you are not winning anything, ever. You're going to have that leathery carny that is going to steal your money every time. He's going to show you the game one time, and he'll be like, look, it's just as easy as this. I don't know if this happened to you, Tori. You seem like a smart guy, so you probably didn't do this. You were probably studying. I was at the carnival trying to win the bear. 
But every time I tried to win the bear, the guy would show me, and then I would do it, and I wouldn't win. And I remember telling myself, this was sixth grade, I said, someday I'm going to make enough money to go to the fair and whenever I want and spend as much money until I win. My wife does not like me going to fairs. <laughs> True story, I was at the Lompoc uh, Flower Festival. I'm in, $350 on the uh, basketball. All my buddies are around me. We're having a, a, a reunion. All my buddies are around me. I've got my shot. I'm here, I'm here. I'm thinking it's, it wasn't Steph Curry time. I was still thinking Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. I was bricking all over the place. And then $350 in, and I, I swear, bam. And I kept my arm up. I knew. You guys ever say something to someone and you knew it was the right thing? You guys ever give the compliment to your lady and you know it's on that night? You know what I'm talking about, that compliment? <laughs> like right when I threw it up, I knew. I was like, ah, and I knew it was going down. I knew. I just was right here. And it hit. Pow. And all my buddies, yeah, and I was, yes, and the carny was like, ding, 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 ding. When I heard that bell, I thought, man, someone won a prize. <laughs> and he was ringing the bell. He's winner, 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 winner. And all my friends are screaming. All the people are screaming. All the kids are around me. I'm, yes, I'm the man. And one of my friends, that hater, you know that one that you got. You guys all hang out with the one hater that stands next to you and is like, they always got a flat tire. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, it's you, right? <laughs> Some of you just did it right now. Psst, why is he even saying this? I came for servant leadership, not for a carnival. <laughs> Hit it. Friends yelling. Carney, ding, 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 winner. Hater, right next to me. Man, you could have bought that thing for like $3. <laughs> Get ready to write. Get ready to write because it's about to come. It's about to come. Carney stopped everybody, looked him dead in his eyes. Said, you can also buy a trophy, but that doesn't make you a winner. <laughs> I want you to understand that your reason why it doesn't have to be complicated. It could be as silly as you want it to be, and you could engage people with it. We wear Jordan 4s in our company. How many of you guys know what a Jordan 4 is? You guys need to get up on your sneaker game. Jeff, I want to see you wearing Jordan 4's next Servant Leadership Conference. Art Barter's going to have some Jordans on, and next time I see him. <laughs> Jordan 4's, the reason why we wear them in our company, only shoes that we allow is tennis shoes in our company because we dress in black and we want to be professional. But the only reason why is because my dad was making $1,100 a month when I was in high school, and we wanted Jordans, and they were $125 a piece. He made $1,100 before taxes, and we lived 40 miles away from our high school with one car. Me and my brother were those ungrateful little jerks that wanted Jordans and that's all we could play in. He actually saved $250 and bought me and my brother Jordan fours, black ones, so we could wear them because that's the only shoes that we would wear. And he did that on an $1,100 salary a month before taxes. And to be able to give him back the honor when he walks in our salons, he sees Jordan fours on kids and it's the only tennis shoes we have. You see, your reason why it doesn't have to be righteous, it just has to be with you. And I tell you, that's the way that we're going to change the world. Your reason why, I want you guys to think about it on a, like a kid level. I asked my daughter the other day, I, was, I said, what does daddy do? And I thought, she's going to say he owns salons, he's an entrepreneur, he writes books, he coaches people, he does all this stuff. She was playing with Lego. She looked up at me, she's like, you make people happy, and then went back to doing her stuff. So I smacked her. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, don't you see all the rest of the stuff I do? You know. But it's as simple as that. Sometimes we're overcomplicating it. Next one in this, in your culture, is what is your story? I told you some of my story. 
I started cutting hair in a, uh, in a bathroom, in a double-wide mobile home with dog clippers. Why? Because my dad was that dad that was like, you don't need a Western bacon cheeseburger, boy. I can make that at home. I was like, no, you can't, dad. It doesn't taste the same. Yes, I can, boy. Watch this. And he would leave Carl's Jr. and take us all the way home and get on the barbecue and barbecue and then put the onion rings on. It would taste nothing like a Western bacon cheeseburger. But he'd be like, see, it's the same. I was like, no, it's not the same at all, Dad. I wish you could have met him. He was going to be here this weekend, and I, I love to give him a hard time. But I'll give you his Instagram so you can hit him up and give him as much pro problem as possible. But I want you to ask yourself, do you know your story, and do you tell it to every single person? You see, 12 years ago, I got fired from my job. Actually, 13 years ago. 13 years ago, I got fired from my job, and I had an opportunity to be able to go to a convention, but it was with the guy who had fired me two months before. But he was the most iconic hairdresser in the whole industry, and I knew when people were around him and he was there, then people take pictures of him. So I said yes, and I went. And every time he was on stage and I was next to him, I'd put my arm around him and turn my chest because I had had a shirt made that said Kelly Cardina Salon, and I did not own a salon. All I had was a logo. <laughs> and a couple months later, in the, uh, the number one publication in the professional beauty industry, they had published a picture of him, and there was my mug with my shirt and my logo, and people started calling, applying for jobs at a salon that I didn't own, but I had a shirt. <laughs> What's your story? Do you tell it? Is it interesting? Is it interesting enough to be a movie? Are you the main star in the movie? And will people watch it again? You see, uh, a part of my story here, guys, is like I told you that I started in servant leadership when I was in fourth grade. Like my dad, my dad was so excited. He got named to the uh, shuttle program in uh, 1979, first seven safety people. And he was uh, a high school dropout. And he didn't know how to manage people, so he got a book, and it was called The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. And he read it every day, and then he would just go and just do that. <coughs> and he rose through the ranks. So amazing. So when I heard that Ken was speaking at the, uh, at the Chamber of Commerce, uh, we went to go see it. And when we went to go see it, I uh, ran back in the house. And my wife said, what are you doing? I said, I'm signing a book. She said, who are you signing a book to? I said, to Ken. She said, Ken who? I said, Ken Blanchard. She's like, he's speaking today. I said, he's speaking today. She said, you don't know him? And I said, yet. <laughs> this is a true story. About five months ago, I came to the Chamber of Commerce. It was in this room. And that door right over there, I was sitting about right here in that door, and uh, they kept talking. And there was a guy talking, and everyone, I didn't want to interrupt the crowd. So when I, uh, because I didn't want to interrupt the crowd, I act like I needed to go to the bathroom, which I didn't. But I had the book in my hand, and I came to the door, and I stood at that door, and I waited until there was a commotion in the audience. And when there was a commotion, I had already found Ken. I locked in on him. Don't get foul, ladies. I know you stalk, too. <laughs> yeah? yeah? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, I just wanted to see what his house looked like at night. Uh, <laughs> Hitting a little close? Yes? Yes. So standing at that door, and I located his table. It's about right where Robin is. And I, uh, I waited until there was a commotion. I popped up to the table, and I knew I only had five seconds. But I, stopped, I popped in. I said, hey, Mr. Blanchard, I wanted to thank you so much for your principles. We utilize them in our company, and I just wanted to thank you. And he said, wow, what is your company? I said, thank you so much for asking. Here's my book. And then I bolted. Ten minutes later, Robin, right in the back of the room, walks over to my table and says, are you Kelly Cardenas? And I was like, oh, man, she's security. You know what I mean? 
She said, I, you just gave your book to Ken. And I was like, uh, yes, I did. And she said, he likes what it looks like. We're having the Servant Leadership Institute conference here in Carlsbad uh, in April, and we have one slot for a speaker. Would you be interested? And I did what everyone in Carlsbad does. Why, yes. Now, let me check my calendar. But inside, <laughs> but inside, I was like, hell yeah! You know what I mean? But what's your story? What's your story? Can you tell it? Does, it? does it involve people? Does it engage people? Does it get them jumping up and down? And if not, I'd work on your story and work on the uh, ability to be able to tell it. I tell my story in we all the time. People ask me, how many people worked with your company when you started? I said, me. But I always talked in we. And they were like, well, who's the other? And I was like, I don't know, but they'll come. Next one is, what's your definition of success? It's got to be clear. I asked one girl, what's your definition of success in a room like this? And she was like, working seven days a week. And I was like, I don't want to be successful in your realm. <laughs> successful to me is doing exactly what God has me to do on the exact day when I need to do it. But that doesn't have to be your definition of success. But if you don't know the people's definition of success in your organization, then you'll never know if they can hit it. It's got to be clear. And it doesn't have to be. It could be a, a situation of a person saying, I want to work less days. I want to work less days. I want to make more money. Or I want to make less money. And I want to work less days. Whatever it is. And if we start to cater towards what their definition of success is, and you understand yours, now we can clearly communicate. Next one is what's your threshold for your belief system? We talked about this earlier. I want you to understand that it has no bearing at all if you're excited today. I'm excited that you're excited. I'm excited that you laughed a little bit. But that will not change your future. Your threshold for success and your belief system is, all, is, is everything. Because everything's good until you get punched in the mouth. Everything's good. I had a girl, her name was Gina. I haven't said her name before, but I'll tell you now. Right? Her name was Gina, and she had, uh, she, she, you ever been around a sour person? You ever been around a person who looked like they just ate a jar of pickles all at the same time and constantly? You know what I'm talking about? And she was mad about it. That's what we say. She was mad about it. And I knew I had already made the decision early on in my company when I first started that I did not want to work with people who did not want to work with me. And I went to her and I asked her, I said, do you want to work with us as a company? And she paused and I knew. It's like, you know, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. If you say, I love you, and your man is like, cool, um, <laughs> might want to check it, you know what I mean? You might want to add three more positives to that negative, all right? <laughs> So see, this girl, I knew they didn't want to be with the company, but I knew that she had four other uh, uh, friends that were going to leave the company also, which was going to cost my company at the time $650,000 in revenue, in lost revenue, in one year when I made that decision. But see, seven years before, I'd already made the decision that I didn't want to work with people who didn't want to work with me. So based off a of principle, my threshold for my belief system wasn't, I could tell you this, if I hadn't have made that decision seven years ago, for 650000 <laughs> I mean, hell, you, you know, you might be able to toilet paper my house every day and I'd be okay. I'd be like, ah, for $650,000, i am good. <laughs> but some of us don't make those decisions before money gets involved. You see, we got to start making uh, decisions before the money gets involved because once the money gets involved, all bets are off. Let's go into the next one. So the next one is vibe. This one is huge, guys, and I did this on purpose. I want you guys to get up because I want to change the vibe. But most people have the tendency to manage the vibe as opposed to create it. 
Most people react to their circumstances as opposed to trying to create the circumstance. I want to create every single circumstance. The reason why I say it, because I live in Kelly's world, and in Kelly's world, it's always good. Even if you make fun of me, even my friends, they say, you got a big old head, which I do. My head's been the same size since I was in, uh, born. <laughs> this is a big head. Like, when we take a picture later, hopefully you will, I'll take a picture with you, check your head, and check mine. It's like twice as big. I promise. But what it was, was me looking at it and saying I had to switch my perspective. And all perspective is, is a vantage point. Because if I change my perspective, my perception changes. The uh, perspective is the vantage point from which you see it. Perception is the way that you receive it. But if I could change my perspective and I could shift to here, you look different than when I'm standing here. Or if I close one eye and I close the other, I see two different things. If I change my perspective, now I can change my perception, meaning that I can accept things from a, di a completely different place. You guys have heard about that throughout the last couple days. Let's go on to the next one. This first one is happy isn't always the answer. And I tell you, like, uh, we had one girl that was all about, like, I just want to be happy. Well, then the performance started to sink. The efficiency started to sink. The, the system started to sink. But happy's not always the answer. I actually did this in my company. I started the day with the, with the song Happy, you know, the one by Pharrell. And I had people get mad at me playing the song Happy. They were like, are you playing it again? It's happy. Like, it's called happy. But you're mad because I want to be happy. But I realized that too much of one thing is going to cause people to have challenges. So how do you want to be viewed internally and externally? I could tell you this. If you, we start to look at it, and you guys have heard, the, heard this part of it, but I want you to understand the way that your staff views your company internally will be how they treat people externally. We have never, ever, not once spent any time in our history of our company on any customer service, ever. But I could ask you this, Robin. How's the customer service in the place you've been through? Anybody who comes into the salon is always like, oh my gosh, the reason why is because we work on the internal relationships and customer service, write this down, customer service is nothing more than a byproduct of true relationships inside of your business. You see, one dinner with someone is worth six months of working with them eight hours a day, five days a week. Most people say, oh, I know that person because I work with them. No, you don't. You don't know them until you go eat with them. Go eat with them where they want to eat. That was one of the first things, principles with Jesus. He ate with the troops. He broke bread with the troops. But he didn't have them come to his part. I used to think, like, oh, I want to take everyone to a nice dinner once I have enough money. But you got to realize that there's some people in your company that are like, you know, I don't feel comfortable at that place. I want to go to Arby's. And you need to go to Arby's, sit down with them, and have uh, Habib serve you. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> I don't think he works there anymore. But however you want to be viewed internally, it'll be, uh, uh, how you want to be viewed externally will be how you treat your people internally. The next one, how can you manipulate the vibe in your environment? You see, I believe that there's indicators this way, and there's, there's just little vibe manipulators. One of the things that we do is we do a powwow every day, and every single time, Todd, that we have a powwow, every day somebody else gets to do the powwow. And during that powwow, they get to choose the music. And you know what? They have the power to change the powwow sheet if they want. So they get to have it whatever they want. It's their day. It's like they're the boss of the place. And people are nuts. Like I, we had a girl, Ashley. I didn't know she liked this type of music, and I don't like it. It's the, you know, the ding, 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 ding. I, I don't understand it, but it was great for her. 
But I was, all I was thinking in my head is like, I can't wait for my day now because I'm going to crank mine up, you know. But I want you to understand it creates a different vibe. It gives people a little bit of ownership. What can you do in your place that can do that? I did a vibe manipulator. Uh, these guys didn't know it, but I do them all the time. I just uh, I did a thermometer. It took like four months to be able to implement. People are, oh, why are you doing a thermometer? So what we did is all our service in one thermometer, all our uh, retail in another thermometer, and I set a goal. And I said, anytime you hit your thermometer, uh, like you break your thermometer, we're going to celebrate. And everyone's like, why do we do that? And then it started to catch on. And then people were like, we broke the thermometer. And I was thinking, it doesn't even exist. It's on a piece of paper that we laminated and I made it up. But I needed you to start thinking about your goals. So as opposed to trying to drive goals down your throat, write this one down. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you sure can add salt to the diet. You see, I believe vibe is a systems-based success. It, it really is. I changed my vibe this morning. You want to know why? Because I ran a mile, I drank a green juice, and I ate an apple. I know I'm going to be on fire when that happens. 5.30 this morning, I ran a mile. It was slow. Don't judge me. <laughs> drank the green juice. Now, what, I didn't tell you what I ate last night, but I'm saying I felt more healthy and organic today. But there's things that I put in my life that I know that I can manipulate the vibe. Are there things in your life that you know that you can manipulate the vibe and have a, a great day? Are you choosing your vibe or are you managing it? Let's go on to the next one. Process and procedure. I put this third. The reason why is because most people go to process and procedure first. But you got to understand, guys, rules without uh, relationship will cause rebellion. Rules without relationship will cause rebellion. Number two, lack of clear vision will destroy hope. And I tell you this, once you destroy hope, you cannot fix it. You cannot fix it. Ladies, anyone ever been in a relationship that you lost hope? Anybody? And then you tried to fix it. It was like, it was like putting duct tape on a uh, bathtub. You know what I'm talking about? It might stand for a little bit, but it's going to be leaking all over the place. It's never going to be the same. And I'm not saying that things can't be fixed. But what I want you to understand is that you should take hope in your organization and you should put it at the highest level and you should protect it at all costs because once it gets cracked it's very hard to be able to come back that was a rhyme and it was right on time there we go next one is resting places we took a picture of all the places in our uh in our locations and what we did is we set it exactly the way that we wanted it to be and then you know what we did we took a picture of it and we listed out where everything was how simple was that Imagine if you took resting places and you put them in your uh, environment where if you wanted the place to look a certain way, you just took a picture of it when you, and you did, set it up exactly the way you wanted it, took a picture, and then listed it off. And then when a person was like, I didn't know where it went, because that was me all the time. My mom was like, clean your room. And I would come back, and she'd be like, you didn't put everything back. And I'd be like, I don't know where it went. <laughs> if my mom would have knew this, she would have took a picture of my room when it was clean and listed it all out, and then I, she would have been like, here, go back and do it. So much easier to follow a picture. Maybe you do it with videos. But do you have resting places in your, uh, in, your, in your organization? Do you have resting places as far as the mentality? And what is that resting place for the people? Now, the procedure is not, uh, not what you do, but why you do them. <clears throat> Super important. And if we're not co clearly communicating this, this uh, guys, I, I tell you, like I got in trouble. I had one girl quit my company. The reason why is because I made everyone make their bed every day and send a picture to an accountability partner in our company. And people got smart. They took one picture and then kept sending it. <laughs> so what we did is we actually had them put a newspaper next to it on the bed. And I had one girl say, you're getting into my private life. Why are you doing this? 
Well, I didn't tell her a clear reason why I was doing it, but the reason why is because I wanted her to accomplish something right off the bat when she woke up. And I wanted people in the organization to see her as a leader that she was keeping her place clean because she can't be sloppy and lead people. And I failed on that. So now, and that last one, this is my favorite part, is procedure is nothing more than a list of your screw-ups. If you take anything from me today, take that one away. And go back to your uh, organization and say, guys, all our procedures are nothing more than a list of our screw-ups, so I want you to screw up today because we need some new procedures. <laughs> Think about it. How many of you guys screwed up at least in the last month? Last week? Last couple days? If not, you're not trying hard enough. You need to screw up. Write it down. It becomes a system. Succeed? Write it down. It becomes a system. But there's not as much yay on succeeding because you're just like, yeah, I beat my chest. That's who I am. But when you fail and then you write it down, you're like, I ain't going to do that one again. I did. I was married before. It wasn't great. But I wrote that bad boy down. It's a system. And now I have the greatest wife in the whole entire world. Right? So it's a list of your screw-ups. One of my procedures is to have a wife that likes me. Next one, productivity. We'll hit this one kind of fast. We must have concrete stories of success throughout our company. Most people say, I won't post numbers because it'll cause competition. You want competition with yourself, but people need to know something. Write this down too, Peter. I see you. Watch. Write this down. A goal accomplished that's not celebrated publicly is, is as if it never happened. Some people say, I love going to the gym. I got one of them right there. Her name is Jen. She's like, no, I love the gym. No, you don't. You like what the gym does to you. If you went to the gym and got fatter, you wouldn't like the gym anymore. <laughs> I like eating organic. No, you don't. You like the way your body feels. You see, most of the time we think that, oh, I got to fall in love with the process. Yes, you got you to be okay with the process, but you got to have a result that will tell, that'll take you through the process. They were talking about that earlier. This, uh, the, the results of servant leadership are going to be that thing that you're looking at. What if we got up here and Art said, you know what? In six years, when you work really hard at servant leadership, your company will be absolute crap. Thank you for being here. Are you able? <laughs> yeah, some people, yeah, I want crap. Like, no, nah, I don't. I'm out. Next one. You got to have your best days and best weeks. I talk about this all the time. What are your leaders doing? I can tell you this. Whatever your leaders are doing, subtract 20% and that's what your crew will do. How much ever your leaders are complimenting your people, take away 20% of that and that's what your people will do. So your leaders better be maximized by your systems. Because if they're not maximized by their systems, you got to understand, guys, if I'm hitting at 80%, my company standard will be 60 We've got to be willing as leaders to be out there doing the things that make other people nervous. Uh, are your systems designed for high performance? I'm not saying that they have to be, but I could tell you this. You could dream big, medium, or small. Write this down, big, medium, or small, but it all will take the same amount of energy. 
Because if you dream small, 25% of your uh, uh, thought process will go towards what I want. 75% will be like, you shouldn't be doing that. You're from here. You shouldn't do that. If you're dreaming medium, 50% of you will be saying, I want to do that. 50% will be saying, you don't deserve it. And if you're, uh, if you're dreaming big, you will be 100% in your dream, and you will be oblivious to anything contradictory to it. So I'll give you some best weeks and best days, but we'll do this quick. In Las Vegas, in our location, Jen Moses in the audience. She's a hairdresser, 32 hours a week. That's four days, eight hours a day. She sometimes works nine. Her best day in the salon is $3,755. Best week, $9,270. She works a 32-hour work week. Delaney Dero, she did this when she was 23, 1,500 best day, 37. This is a 22-year-old girl. Now she's 23, but she did it at uh, uh, 22. In Chicago, we got a couple of them. Eli, she just turned 24, best week, uh, or best day, 2,700. Best week, 10,470 at 23. She got a high school education. Do you think she's loyal to our company? Damn right. Let's go on to the next one. Bethany, $4,600 week. This one, Jen Wetzel, she's in the audience. Wave your hand, Jen. A $1,400 day, $3,700 week. She's been on the floor for two and a half years. That means two and a half years ago, she made minimum wage. Next one, Sabrina Bias, right here. This young lady, five years ago, homeless, living in her car, been on the floor for just about two years. Two years ago, she was making minimum wage. And this year, she's on pace to make over $100,000 a year. I don't know if you're feeling this. I'm feeling this. So that's good. As long as one person's happy, that's what my mom said. As long as one person's happy, I'm good. And that person's me. So <laughs> Salt Lake, there's a couple more. I post these. I talk about them all the time. I want to know people's best week, best day. And when I show this to people who aren't hairdressers, you know what they start to say? Wow, that person's serious. Well, yeah, I'm serious. My dad asked me this. He said, you ever seen a half-pregnant woman? <laughs> He said, you are or you aren't. And I ask you today, are you pregnant or you're not? Are you a servant leader or you're not? Ask yourself that. But it's going to be a long road. Let's go on to uh, this one. This one is uh, one of my favorites, innovation. And we'll list these guys off, and I'll list them quick. Uh, these are innovations. Well, you need to have innovation in your uh, company, and you need to breed it. You need to talk about it. You need to allow people to be able to do it. So when we did these, these are some uh, examples of it. Online store, Eli did that. Sabrina did social media. Um, we got Selena did a where you at, which every uh, eight weeks to a quarter in our company, we have a where you at. And you know what we talk about? Where you're at. And we do it with four legs of a table. Table has four legs, it can stand, yeah? Personal, professional, spiritual, financial. One of the legs is off, your table is going to be wobbly. And if you go outside those lines, we keep it simple that way, but we ask you what you're doing to be able to make sure that those are shored up. Innovation is one of the things that is not in larger companies a lot of times because people have the tendency to say, oh my gosh, like, you know, uh, I, I, maybe I can't do anything. But I tell you, when you give people the opportunity to screw up as much as possible and then innovate a system because of why they screwed up, now they come to work saying, like, I'm free. I'm free to screw up as much as I want and all I have to do is write it down and make it better. That's all I have to do. But innovation is the uh, fifth indicator and we finish with this. The last one is the ability to adapt immediately. You see, we start, we end where we started. 
I asked you to move forward until there was a seat that wasn't empty in front of you. And I kept asking, and I kept asking, and I kept asking. And then I told you success is not a good negotiator. But I can tell you life isn't either. And your ability to adapt immediately will do two things. Number one is your reaction time will determine your reward. Can you imagine? I wish I would have known uh, art back in the day because I would have invested in me some Datron. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine back in the day before he ever bought it and you were like, yo, you know, Art, I got like 25 bucks. You know what I mean? Let me throw it down on Daytron. He's like, Daytron, I'm not even going to buy it. Well, if you do, put in my $50. <laughs> Can you imagine? Could you imagine if you would have got a hold of Art in college and been like, yo, Art, we're hanging out. What do you want? And always got him his drink of choice, whatever it was. And you were just his boy all the time or his girl just around him. And his wife was like, no, there ain't going to be no girls around. But I'm saying if I was his guy, I would have been, imagine if I could have invested early, my reward would have been through the roof. It's still going to be through the roof. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> all right. You guys don't think that's funny. I don't think it's funny either because it's going to happen. I want to uh, pop back for one thing. Um, uh, the uh, ability to adapt immediately will kill your ego. It'll absolutely kill your ego because when you adapt immediately, you got to understand that a 19-year-old will adapt to this world a lot quicker than you will. And when you have a 19-year-old being able to whoop your butt, you see, it took me a whole lot longer to be able to get to those numbers than it took me to get to Jen. And you know what? I never got to a $5,900 week two years, less than two years in my industry. But she's doing it. And so it causes me to adapt quickly and it kills my ego because now I got a system that's put in play that's a list of my screw-ups and now she can do it and she just came in. She's like, what? What are you talking about? I'm just standing here and we list it out. You stand here, you put your elbow here. There's only three elbow positions in cutting. There's even Steven, elbow high, finger low, or elbow low, finger high. That's all there is. There's two colors in life, red and not red. <laughs> Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Guys are like, whoa, there's a lot more. tell you this, an innovation. When I thought of innovation, I actually looked up, and I tell you this, Art, I, while I, was, I was innovating while the conference was going on, because I see where this conference is going in the next five to ten years. In the next five years, we'll, we'll actually be in, uh, in either Madison Square Garden or we'll be in the uh, Soldier Field, and it'll be sold out of servant leaders. And the reason why I say that is because the innovation that's there, I already looked it up. I googled uh, Soldier Field and renting it, and it's available. I've got it on my phone. I already checked it. And it said for any size party. But I'm saying we're going to fill it. We're going to fill it with 100,000 servant leaders that come there and converge onto Chicago or converge onto Petco Park. And then when people start to ask, like, what is this convention? And everybody's cool, having a good time. And they're serving everybody. We're going to say that it's servant leadership and we're taking the world. You see, that's an innovation that's coming. But I'll finish like this. I brought this for some of my... Uh, some of my Cleveland fans that were around. Yeah? I don't know if you guys remember this. My Houston fans, you would know what that is. But I'll tell you a quick story, right? I was, uh, uh, it was Christmas time, and I was uh, in 11th grade or 10th grade. And I lived in California, and the internet wasn't available, so Oilers, I was a fan, but they had no sports stores that had the Oilers jackets. And all I wanted was the Oilers parka the whole time. That's all I wanted. All I wanted for Christmas. And my dad, the first time, we were living in a double-wide mobile home 40 miles away from my high school. And my dad lived, a, he was a caretaker for a school. And when he had the, he was a caretaker for it, he, uh, uh, he, we had a video camera, but we didn't have enough money to be able to have the video camera. We just borrowed it from the school. 
and we videotaped our first Christmas. And they were videotaping everything and every present that I opened that wasn't my jacket. I got mad. And the whole time, about an hour of opening presents, everyone goes around. My family does it, not the smash and grab. They do one present, one present, all over. And for an hour and a half of opening presents, every time I opened a present, I opened it up, looked, it wasn't the jacket, I threw it off to the side. And I was pissed the whole time. And I was so mad, and they were videotaping me, I had no idea. I got down to the last gift. It was like a box like this. And I looked at it, I was like, there is no way. My mom is a good packer, but there is no way my Oilers parka is going to be in there. So I ripped it open, just ha, 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 just threw it to the side. And it wasn't my jacket. And I got up, probably we all hanging out, probably about a half an hour, 45 minutes goes by, and I go to the bathroom. And when I go to the bathroom, I come out of the bathroom, and there's a big box sitting in the middle of the living room. And right as I walk out, I know what that box is. And I'm thinking in my head, I've been a jerk for an hour and a half, and I've ruined Christmas, the only Christmas I've ever ruined. I absolutely ruined it all the way through. And then I opened the box, and you could guess it was that jacket. But you see, my parents knew the whole time that I was going to get what I wanted. But they were just watching how I reacted when I didn't get it. I believe God, uh, God is that way. I believe that every single one of you has goals, has aspirations for your company, and I believe that every single one of them is going to come into fruition. But I believe that we need to, before we leave this conference, we need to accept the greatness that our company will uh, accomplish, that we need to accept those things now before we ever get them because I want you to learn from my story. I can never have that back. My mom died last uh, year on June 19th. I will never get another Christmas with her. And I was a jerk for one of them. But the whole time, my mom knew that I was going to get what I wanted. I believe every single one of you, God knows, God has a purpose for every single one of you. He already knows. So why not let's start acting like the Lord is already there? If you want to have a million dollars in the bank, let's start acting like it right now. What would you do different? What would you do different if your servant leadership grew? Your company was already a servant leader. Start acting like that now. Sexual chocolate. My name is Kelly Cardenas. I'm out. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Hardball. Wow, wasn't Kelly great? We also have his full keynote recording on our YouTube channel. Feel free to watch, like, and subscribe for more upcoming servant leadership content. To learn more about Kelly Cardenas and to invite him to speak, visit his website at www.kellycardenas.com. And for more information on the Servant Leadership Institute and what we provide, check out our website, servantleadershipinstitute.com. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.